Hey, what's up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. Today, my special guest is no stranger to the We Need to Talk family. You'll recognize her name from my Road to the Election series last season. And I'm very happy to welcome back American government professor and founder of the Justice Warriors Academy, Indidi Amadi. Thanks for joining me again, Indidi. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. Yes. How have you been since we last chatted? I've been good. I've been taking one day at a time and trying to balance everything out because we can be in with everything that's going on in the world. Absolutely. It it is a lot. I know we talked Mm -hmm. on social media a little bit, but it's, uh, there's, it's, it feels like it's just this, an extension of the same year <laughs> to be <Yes>. honest. <laughs> like it wasn't done. 2020. Oh, <laughs> you know, someone post pointed out that you pronounce 2021 as 2021. And I'm like, right. Ooh, I don't like Plus. that. <laughs> I don't like you know that. They have a, I don't think it's called the integer. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't like that. Okay. Uh, so I want, I want to talk to you a little bit about just kind of your background and your history and how you got into American government, because sure. I think that uh, trajectory is so interesting. And personally, I don't see enough people in the black community getting involved in American government and getting involved in politics and choosing the path that you did. So just let's do the timeline of just how you knew this is what you wanted to do, where you went to school, all of that good stuff. Sure, absolutely. I, I love telling my story for asking. So for me, it really all started when I attended Howard University in Washington, D.C., and I was a political science major. And it's one thing to be a political science major, it's another thing to be a political science major in the nation's capital. So I was exposed to a lot of the political processes going on. We were just a very active and engaged campus. And with Howard University, of course, we, we produce a lot of activity activism, as we can clearly see with Madam Vice President. She went to Howard University. That campus really inculcated in me the desire to be involved. What really signified that I wanted to get into politics was it was Hurricane Katrina. And we did something called alternative spring break. So instead of taking your traditional college spring break, we all go down to volunteer to serve some community. So I volunteered, me and several other students volunteered to serve the victims of Hurricane Katrina. And when we got down there, I was appalled because we got down there six months later to still see that nothing had changed, nothing was done. FEMA wasn't really doing their work. I literally cried because I was like, there's no government response. Mm. This is six months later. And as we were touring the area, they were still pulling out dead bodies. Oh, wow. Six months later. So wow. I was like, I, I don't understand. So that really shifted in me. I was like, I really need to do something in regards to politics and government because that's only, the only thing that really changed people's lives. Right. Because you can have a lot of nonprofits going down there and cleaning it up, but there should be a government response. And to me, that was the main instance where I was like, I really need to be involved in government politics. So I, I carry that experience with me and I, I'm not even from there, but I'm sure the people from there could speak a lot more to it, but I carry that experience um, with me and it really drives me in knowing the power of policy and changing people's lives. And so after that, I attended a law school because mm-hmm. I wanted to get the education, um, not necessarily to practice law, because a lot of people ask me, why are you not practicing law? But because I wanted the education because mm. eventually I want to run for office. And if you look at a lot of the politicians, they have that law degree. So yeah, I knew yeah. in the back of my mind that that's the education that I wanted to get. And so I matriculated through law school. I, I again, was um, involved in politics. I actually worked for the governor of the state at that time. Um, let me backtrack um, a little bit before. When I was still in D.C., I interned for my congressman at that time in Washington, mm. D.C. I interned on Capitol Hill for my congressman. Um, he's no longer in Congress, but he was at that time the chair of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus. So um, let's fast forward back to my law school days. So yeah, I went to law school education. 
um, I got a concentration in, in public service because my law school had different concentrations, criminal law, uh, whatever the case may be. I got public service because I always knew that's what I wanted to do. And then, so I came back to California, you know, after school, sometimes you, you're in your twenties. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I have no I have education. I don't know what to do. So I, I continue to serve uh, nonprofit organizations. And um, I was fortunate to be able to be a government professor at a Christian school in Southern California, which I've been with um, for six years. Mm. And so I'm um, teaching American government, which I'm really passionate about because I find that it's something that a lot of people don't understand. And I don't think it's because they don't want to. I think it's because it's not presented in a way that's palatable for them. And then so, um, which, which is, it's unfortunate because it's, in our everyday life it's like yeah. we complain about oh my gosh there's so many potholes i was like that's your city council that's your mayor there's so many different things in our everyday lives that affect us but people don't really tie the two in together yeah and so and like you said uh, a lot of a lot of black people are not are not in the government space um as as i would like to see and i don't think it's because they don't want to be honestly i think it's because for some reason politics and government has kind of been hidden from the people so they don't understand it and even with the past election, I know I'm going to go on tangents. There's so much to talk no, about. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> with the past election, with the propositions in California, that pamphlet was like so thick, but there was only 12. So my dad was like, why is there thousands of pages? I was like, I really think they don't want people to understand because mm. <laughs> there's only 12. It should not be that thick. Yeah. I know it's good to have the information, but people are not going to read that. They're just, they're not, not. they're, they're not, not going to read. They're not going to read that. So I definitely think that government and politics, that, that information has been hidden from the people. And even in school, we don't teach civics like we should. And even when we do teach American government, it's boring. <laughs> so it's like people are just like, I don't want to do this until it's too late. It's like, what happened? My world is turned upside down and I really need to get involved. So I, I just wanted to say it is interesting that you're like, oh, we don't teach civics in, in school. I feel like a lot of the things that we learn in school are not applicable to our everyday life, they are you not know? Applicable. <laughs> not. Yeah, really, uh, I mean, that's another whole conversation, but continue not, with your story. Right, continue. Right, right. Yeah. Education. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to talk about it because I can talk two hours about teaching in school, what we should be teaching in school. So fast forward to now, and I've just been really involved in different communities, um, I was involved in an organization called Create the Change, which is one of my favorite nonprofit organizations. And we do a lot of good work in Los Angeles. And I did um, voters workshops with them for the past four years. Um, and then so this past year, I wanted to start my own organization, which um, founding the Justice Warriors Academy, because I wanted, to, wanted it to be based on education and just breaking down the information that people desperately and they need, but I wanted to make it in a way that it's palatable and that people can understand. And so I was really excited to launch that last year. And I had several different workshops, especially around the election and voting, because people really wanted to get it right this time, at least right for them. And they wanted to feel like they knew exactly what they were voting for. So moving forward, I'm definitely looking forward to hosting more workshops and putting out more education because we have a new Congress, we're going to have a new administration, and there's a lot of things that people want to understand. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's where we are right now. That's incredible. I love that whole story. And I love everything that you, it's almost as if you saw a need for something. So you were like, I'm like with the voter workshops, yeah, yeah, you yeah. didn't, you, maybe you didn't have that. So you're like, no, I want to give back and find a way for other people to have something that I didn't have so that they're educated. And I think that's great. Just the, the attitude of paying it forward to people because voting is confusing and voting Very is, it, there's not enough resources out there. So talk to me a little bit about the voter workshops that you do. Like what, how are they set up? How do you find where you have them what kind of resources do you give to them in the workshop sure well I first started my 
first voters workshop in 2016 with the organization called Creative Change, mm-hmm. and we would host them out of Los Angeles. Um, this past election was a little bit different because everything has been virtual, but the resources that I give them, I tailor it to different jurisdictions because what's going to be on the ballot in Ontario is going to be different from someone's ballot For in sure. Wisconsin. For I try sure. to tailor it to the demographic, and I try to give them as much as information as possible non-biased. I have a lot of opinions. I don't like to give my opinion. <laughs> I want them to vote. I want them to make an educated vote, but I don't want them to vote like me unless they want to. Right. So I try to like break it all down. So in LA, um, I'm not from LA, but I, the one I did for the change focused on, you know, the district attorney in Los Angeles and we focus on the measures in LA. And so I would just um, get abreast on that so I can give them that information. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty much what the organization wants me to tell it to the community and general information as well. Um, and then resources, I try to, it depends on the jurisdiction, but for Californians, I like to give them propositions and break that down, what a yes vote would mean, what a no vote would mean. And I always like to do a little breakdown of American government because um, a lot of people don't understand the difference between the House and the Senate, mm-hmm. and local, state, and federal government, and things of that nature. So sometimes we have to start at, at you know, ground zero. Ground and zero, yeah. People are not intelligent. <laughs> it's because it's not their expertise. Piece. If you right. asked me to break down math, I wouldn't know. I know no, one plus one is two. <laughs> that. You're so like, and that's that. And that's that. But I think government is just something I, people thought it was boring. But as we can see, it's not boring. It's actually fascinating. It's like a reality yeah. show. Yeah. What do you think? Because I mean, you talked about like the difference between the House and the Senate and all of that. But what mm-hmm. other do you um, parts of government do you think are really commonly misunderstood or just misconceptions in, in terms of just the general society? I think that people think that their vote does not matter because mm. they complain about these politicians. Kentucky, <laughs> I don't know what's going on in Kentucky, but it's like they complain and they vote for these trash individuals. And it's like, you literally put this person in place. They complain about how come we didn't get the 2000 checks last year. It's like, because you elected this person who has a control to bring it to the floor. And so they don't, I think that's the most uh, misconception mis- um, is that what they do affects you know, who's going to represent them. Yeah, yeah. I think they think it doesn't tie in together, but it absolutely does because yeah. it's public service. They serve us. And I think that we don't understand that. Right. So I, I see a lot of people complaining. It's like, oh my God. I was like, well, who did you vote for? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Honestly, it boils down to who did we vote for? They didn't yeah. just appear. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> We didn't just snap our fingers and then there's a person. Somebody put them there. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. And I think that there isn't a lot of emphasis when it comes to voting for the local level and the regional level in those different um, measures and stuff there on the ballot. People are so focused on the presidential Mm -hmm. election, not knowing that there's actually so many steps for anything. Sometimes the president isn't even the one that makes the decisions for the most part, you know? And so, uh, yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that. And that's definitely in my circles that I've seen the lack of understanding like who actually does make the decisions and makes them for you as the constituents, you know? So people, yeah, people don't know what they're voting for or who they're voting for. They just, they either vote for their party because they've just, Mm -hmm. they're used to voting for their party or they may vote for who, you know, peer pressure, whoever is voting around them, whoever they know. And, and it's unfortunate because I do think being so misinformed, which we've clearly seen, um, it, it ends up affecting them in ways that they didn't think it was going to. Right. And then this time, it's literally life and death. Not to make it morbid, but who we put into office is going to affect everything. We're going through a very trying time that I've never seen before. So many lives have been lost based on the mismanagement of government. I look at other um, high high efficiency nations. It's like, why are they back to normal? 
Mm-hmm. Why are we still in this? Right. Based right. Off of government decisions yeah. that affect our lives. It's the leadership. It, it it's all, the it's, leadership. Uh, yeah. 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 So when you see that people don't care about you, people need to remember, please do not vote them back into office. Please. <laughs> you know? <laughs> please. But I, I don't know how it keeps on happening, yeah. which is why I definitely think that we need to have some term limits. We don't have term lim- limits in Congress, which we have these individuals, and I'm not an ageist, but we have these individuals who are 80 who are making decisions for a population that is in their mid thirties and mid forties. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're really detached from what is going on. And right. I don't no longer think that you should be making decisions for us. Right. And I, I think if you're going to commit to being a part of it for that long, that you need to mm-hmm. just keep up with the times, you know, yeah. when you're so out of touch, you know, like Mitch McConnell, like the Lindsey yes. Graham's of the world, you're, n- you're only going to make decisions based on what you've known your whole life. And you're not actually, they're probably not actually talking to their constituents. They're not, talking oh, no. to them to try to figure out what they want what has changed what is what their no. needs are now currently they're going off of like the 50s you know you right. know all of those people are stuck in the 50s and 60s they're stuck somewhere <laughs> <laughs> but it's not relevant because the times are moving so fast and you really do need up or at least uh, appear that you're keeping up at least try but you're so detached from your constituents and the american population that is does everybody a disservice including themselves yeah yeah. Okay. So let's <laughs> look at everything that's happening right now. Yeah. You know, the president's been impeached for the second time. He holds yeah. half of the, which is crazy that one person holds half of the impeachments that have ever happened in the history of this right. country, which is so crazy. What do you think is going to happen now? Do you think that he's actually going to have any consequences? I mean, he's going to be out of office, you know, very soon. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think that he's going to suffer any consequences from what has happened this month? Mm-hmm. I actually think that a tide is turning. If you would have asked me this question two months ago, I would say that hasn't, he's not going to suffer any consequences just based on everything that he's been allowed to get away with. But I, I see some people that's been attached to him, who's been attached to his administration, just stepping back and saying, like, no, we really need to hold this guy's feet to the fire because some of these things are not legal. It's not helpful to the country. It's harming the country. Um, so I, I do think I'll be interested in seeing what the Senate is going to do, if they're going to acquit him or if they're going to convict him. But I do mm-hmm. think that a tide is turning and that people are starting to see that this is really not beneficial to our country. I see a lot of Republicans saying I'm no longer part of the Republican Party based off of what Trump has done to the party. Um, I'm no longer, I no longer want to do this based off of what Trump is doing. So it's interesting to see. I think people are trying to save themselves. Like you really don't want to go down with a sinking ship. Like for me, as much as I love politics, I wouldn't let anybody ruin my legacy, my reputation, or my career. Right. I wouldn't. It's not, it's it's absolutely not worth it. It's not, Trump is not the hill you want to die on. (laughs) It's not, (laughs) it's really not. He could, even his family members. Right. Like, no, this is not, I'm not a part of that. (laughs) And it's so crazy. I mean, like you said, you know, we are starting to see a turn and, and, you know, we saw 10, at least 10 Republicans voted um, for articles of impeachment. You know, we, I think we need 17 or something in order to convict, but it's hard for me to think that these Republicans that are so hard pressed to defend Trump, that he would do the same for them. You know what I mean? And he so wouldn't. when they're ma- he wouldn't. So I, he wouldn't. it's it's mind boggling to me that they are 
so hell bent on defending him mm-hmm. you know that's what what are you gonna gain from that you know i feel like at this point it's psychological and it's a lot of pride and it's a lot of ego it's like mm. i've defended this person for so long i have to stick it through or else i'm gonna look like i'm double-minded or wishy-washy but i definitely think it's beyond the point of politics because i've been trying to understand this for months even years now i was like no this you're tying this into your identity you're tying this into something else that's outside of politics because you know a lot of what you're seeing is wrong but you can't go out and say it it's a mm-hmm. lot of pride. It's a lot mm-hmm. of ego. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I can see that for sure. It's like, I don't know if you saw this. Jimmy Kimmel said this a, a couple years ago, actually. He was like, I feel like Trump supporters, it's like when you put up like Star Wars wallpaper in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. At the time, it seemed like a good idea. Yeah. And now it's been in your room for several years and you're like, it's probably time to take this down because right. it doesn't I, work. It's exactly it. like that. You <laughs> yeah. made a bad decision. Don't, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You learned from it. You're never going to do it again. But some people just aren't there yet. Yeah. So, and I, the funny thing is, I think I read this the other day that Trump could have easily saved his legacy, could have saved his presidency if it weren't for his, obviously his, his ego, if he mm. had just conceded. And then if he, you know, went on to have like Trump TV or became yeah. a political commentator or whatever, yeah. he would still have his fan base. He could run again in 2024 if he really felt like he needed to, but he could have left with some form of a legacy intact, yeah. but it's crazy what the ego does allow you to do. It is very crazy. It is like, very crazy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked because he really could have walked out of this on top and now he's literally leaving with nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. And the thing is he has such a strong base, which still confuses me. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. And some people to think that he is um, the greatest president that we've ever had. And I just like, can you point me to, cause I don't see it, but he still has that amount of support, but he did lose a lot of support, especially in the way he handled the coronavirus. Yeah. I honestly think he would have been reelected if he handled the coronavirus um, a little for bit For sure, for sure, because the economy wasn't bad, you know, mm-hmm. things were okay, I guess, whatever. He just sucked because he tweeted all the time, but things were not in a bad place. He was just not a mm-hmm. good person. But yeah, yeah. If, he, if he handled the virus in a way that, you know, my husband even said, had he just said, you know what, listen to, you know, Dr. Fauci or the medical experts. Right. They know what they're talking about. This is their expertise. I'm stepping back out of this. Mm-hmm. Everybody would have worn masks. Everybody would have stayed home. We would have had proper lockdowns, all of that stuff. And we would have slowly gradually started to build back the economy and build back all, you know, small businesses and all of these businesses are closing down, but his ego got in the way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he thought it was a joke. He would make so many jokes about it. I was like, people are dying. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not funny. Like, we're not going to take bleach. It's not going to go away poof like a miracle. So that's going to go away poof like a miracle by um, by Easter. And here we are almost a year later. So he just would have handled it with more seriousness. I'm kind of glad he didn't handle it with seriousness. Because <laughs> he's been reelected, but he had right. that much support. Yeah. But uh, Absolutely. so much damage has been done. Yeah. So we'll see. So now we have, you know, Biden coming in. He's going to be inaugurated. He just released that he is planning for a $1.9 trillion um, economic relief plan. What do you think that this plan is going to see its, you know, be coming to fruition? Do you think it's, um, uh, do you think it's a little ambitious? You know, what were your thoughts when you saw the plan that he released? I thought the plan was a good start. I actually don't think it's ambitious. I think that both parties uh, know the country is suffering right now. And I think that actually Biden has no excuse not to get it done because the, you know, because we have Kamala who's going to break the tie in the Senate. So there's actually no excuse. You can't blame it on Congress. And if all, 
all breaks loose, you have executive orders, which Trump felt free to use all the time. All the damn time. All the time. <laughs> I didn't don't try to play nice. Like there's really no excuse. We voted for you, not just because we wanted to vote against Trump. We voted for you because we knew that you said that you would do what you were going to do. Right. Like, we want right. You to, not just because we have time to waste. Right. But I didn't think it was ambitious. Um, I think there's some things that actually could have been handled a little bit better. I know I saw with unemployment, he wants to increase it to 400 but it was 600 back in the summer. And I think that it should be retroactive for the people who lost a lot of money during those gap periods. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that student loan wasn't mentioned in the original CARES Act, the student loan, um, the interest was stopped. So that, I don't think that was mentioned at all. So I even, I was like, right, and what about the student loans? What's good? It's, it's a good start, but there's so much. <laughs> there's, there's more to do. There's more to do. I, you know, he, it's interesting because I feel like, First Obama and now him, they're both entering into just bad situations yeah. to have to clean up. You know, mm-hmm. Obama inherited a terrible yeah. economy from Bush. You know, it, it's just, it's mm-hmm. crazy. And now Biden is inheriting this pandemic and I I feel for him. And I, yeah. I hope that people going into his presidency show him a little grace and give him a, mm-hmm. you know, he, I mean, I know he is going to try to fast track a lot of stuff, but this isn't an easy thing to walk into and to have to deal with when the president, before, what, no one would want this, right? Why would you <laughs> want that? Right? Oh my God, it is a complete <laughs> mess. I mean, you're, you're inheriting a, basically a global virus because yeah. people look to America to be leaders, even though we've clearly not led in this, but yeah. you know, the economy suffering, people are suffering. So he, he does have a lot to do, but I, I'm, I am confident. And I, I hope that he sticks true to his word and that mm-hmm. people don't give him a lot of pushback. Now, granted Democrats are in control, which is great mm-hmm. for him because if the right. Republicans were in control, we've already seen what yeah. happens, we'll you know, done. and then people blame the president because they don't know how it works. Like, oh, he said he was gonna do like he was oh Obama didn't do nothing. I was like, Are you sure? Because he tried. tried. (laughs) Like I mean he always tried. Like (laughs) like, what more do you want did you want Obama to do? (laughs) (laughs) Why literally could not do anything else. And that's why there's three branches of government, but (laughs) it's crazy. It's crazy. So for you, after you know we we get this plan taken care of, what are what do you think of the next steps for Biden? What would you like to see him focus on in his presidency in the first year, let's say? Oh gosh, well, like my my wish list. <laughs> yeah, I would want him to focus on. I want people to get back to work. I definitely think when people are back to work, a lot of issues are alleviated in regards to unemployment, in regards to healthcare, because a lot of people get their healthcare from their jobs. Um, of course, the virus needs to be handled because we can no longer continue to live like this. Uh, racial injustices will always be high on my wish list. I think we scratched the surface last year based off of what we saw with the protests. I think that because so much was going on, we didn't really get to address it. Um, but as we've seen with the last administration, the current environment of America right now is very divided. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing a lot of racists come up we still need to deal with that mm-hmm. um even with the people who pro- protested the um that their quotes i don't know if they could do that <laughs> yeah, no they rioted the oh, they rioted. that was not a protest um, i saw nooses uh and, and, and swastikas and i was like why are we doing this is this really in the name of an election or, or what is this an excuse for hate so i think we need to address that because america will always be a melting pot of different cultures and yeah. if we don't address that hate it can really continue to tear uh, the fabric of american society um, I would like to see him address that. 
Um, so much. Small businesses. I would like to see small business owners get back on their feet. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of hurt going on. Yes, absolutely. And you know, he's, he's gotten some pushback because he doesn't think that it is productive to uh, impeach and convict Trump. And look, I get it. Yeah, I get it. He wants to move on and not even hear the word Trump ever again. And I'm sure a lot of us do. But if we take that route, there's mm-hmm. never going to be accountability ever. Yeah, I, I definitely think he needs to be held accountable for everything. So if it takes away time, he needs to be held accountable because mm-hmm. what legacy, what example are we setting? Like you said, war, America is like this beacon of democracy. Well, we were across <laughs> the world. Because <laughs> right. when I was in Nigeria last year, like, what, what are y'all doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I have nothing to do with that. <laughs> but we're like really questioning. And then I'm on Twitter a lot and I saw New Zealand was like, you guys only got $600? Like, we're getting this much for every month of the pandemic. They're like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, so it's, like, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I saw the list. Like, some countries, they're getting their full salaries or like 75% uh-huh. of their salaries. Yes. And like, we got... Twelve hundred dollars once, and then six hundred dollars for an entire year (laughs) that people have not been able to work properly, have had their lives, you know, just healthcare bills. (laughs) People have lost individuals, so it's like, like, what what do you think that's going to cover? I don't know. I have no idea. Oh man, yeah, but I I think that as far as accountability goes, we really need to put a lot of pressure on politicians moving into this mm-hmm. to this new administration, and and not because they obviously haven't done anything wrong, but it's like if we don't, we're going to continue to have situations like we've had in the last four years. We're going to have people show up and be that way. We're going to continue to have Mitch McConnell's. We're going to, we might get another version of a Donald Trump. You know, if we don't hold people accountable for the decisions that they make and the actions that they have, you know, people are going to be like, oh, well, I messed up, you know, and then there's no... There's no right. consequence and I'm not for that. So I hope Biden supports them mm-hmm. in, in their efforts with their impeachment and hopefully he gets convicted. Honestly, I yeah. really do think he should be because what happened at the Capitol was ridiculous and Can it was his fault. That? Yes, it was his okay. fault. So like <laughs> because the Capitol, what? what? I, Girl, first of all, so it's the same <laughs> day that Georgia, I was so happy because we, we very flipped happy. and then all of a sudden at noon, I was like... Yeah, I turned on the news uh, in 2019 and half of 2020, I was working for the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, a lot of time on Capitol Hill. To see the Capitol Hill ransacked like that, some of the buildings you can't even go in with the outside bottle of water. That's how tight security is. So when I saw them busting down the windows, I was like, the only way this could have happened is we had it from the inside, helping you do this because it's literally impossible even breathe the wrong way when you go down into congressional buildings. I was like, I know what building they're in now. I know what building someone's sitting at Pelosi's desk. I'm like, I, I thought I was watching a movie. There's one Capitol building. You can't even walk on the steps. Wow. You can't even walk. And they were up there and the police officers just standing there and I'm still flummoxed. I don't know how this happened. And then some Congress um, women, they said that their panic buttons were ripped out of their offices. So it was like, okay. I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, wow. I think it was Congresswoman Ayanna Presley. She said wow. her panic button was ripped out. And then somebody else said that um, because congressional offices give tours to the regular citizens. 
So some said that maybe when they were giving tours, these people saw which way to go and they knew in advance that these people who were touring were planning on coming back to do damage. Yeah. There's literally no way that these people could get past all that security and knew exactly where to go inside help. Absolutely no way. It does not happen. I've interned on the Hill, <laughs> worked in several of these offices. I can't even get past security with the outside bottle of water and food. They'll make me throw it away. So how did you get past? Man, and it's <laughs> crazy. I mean, there there is supposedly intel that there were three congressmen that were working with the the organizer of the riot. And Absolutely. I really hope that they find that to be true and find out and then they, you know, do the due process and, and you know, give them the consequences that they deserve because that's just terrible. I mean, and then you also had crazy politicians tweeting out the location of their colleagues that they didn't agree with, which is basically sending a direct death threat to them. Yeah. Because you know that these people came there to, to, to take blood. They came there for blood and it's terrifying. I mean, I, I, I shudder to think what would have happened if, you know, anybody from the squad, for example, if, if Elon Omar, AOC, Ariana Pressler, any of them were found you know, and I don't think people realize how terrifying that whole situation mm. is. And I've had so many people tell me like, oh, this isn't about racism, about race. It's like, look, the situation itself was not about race, mm-hmm. but the reaction, the reaction, the response, and what would have happened if certain people were found is 100% about race. It's about race. It's about entitlement. It's about privilege. Yeah. And I don't like to make everything about race because I'm not even that person. But as I was looking at the writers, I didn't see any black people because black people know that if they were down there, they would have been <laughs> and killed. Conservative or, or liberal. Or you, liberal. Yeah. They would have yeah. been shot and yeah. killed. Yeah. So that goes to a whole other topic about privilege and what you're allowed to do in this country. Yeah. What you're allowed to get away with. Mm-hmm. And the one of the writers, he wore like this horn hat. Mm-hmm. And now he's being fed organic food. I like can't. I cannot. <laughs> like, huh? I couldn't deal with that. And, 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 and again, you never in your life have seen a black person be arrested and demand like organic food or I vegan food. food. Like, no, you're going to eat this much. Right. You're probably not going to get fed. You know, so if people don't recognize the amount of privilege that comes with this specific situation, mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't know how what other examples you need you know right. and to have that privilege and abuse it absolutely absolutely that hurts that really, it really hurts it does but you know what i i do feel like karma is doing her thing right now <laughs> to be honest i do you know I, I i'm frustrated that it's taking so long to round up all of these people like i feel like a lot of these people had time to go home and do a press tour because they like yeah. were able to talk on news channels yeah, and videos yeah. and i was like come on you know but they're rounding them up like crazy now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but the really, fact that they went in, sorry, but the fact that they went in and thought that they would get away with it, that right there is the epitome of privilege. Because they thought that they were doing the patriotic thing. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of them think that way. And I, I'm not computing because I was like, what are you, what are you protesting for? You really think the election was stolen? Right, right. I think I see this social media post and they really think they're doing the patriotic thing, mm-hmm. the patriotic duty. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the people's house and the election was stolen. And this, I was like, where are you getting this information from? Because I'm not receiving that same information. Right, right. There's a disconnect. Yeah. Do you really think the election was stolen? Well, the problem is, is that a lot of these people and, you know, the famous Trump famously said he loves the uneducated. So, <laughs> 
a lot of, but he did. And a lot of these people aren't educated and they're just going to believe what that man says Mm -hmm. because they don't either, they don't either want to read themselves. They don't want to look it up or, you know, whatever the case may be. They're like, well, my president is saying that the election was stolen from him. So I'm going to believe him. Yeah. That's that's dangerous. And I, that's what I don't think people understand about Donald Trump is that words, his words have mattered. You know, Charles yeah. Manson never killed anybody either. You know, people don't don't realize that he didn't have to say anything. He, I mean, right. he didn't have to do anything. It's everything that he said that his little cult following yeah. was like, oh, we have to defend our leader type attitude. And, and look what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's why they truly do believe it was stolen because they believe that Trump would not lie to them. <laughs> I mean, that's the only explanation I have, but I truly think that that's what it is. I mean, I don't, I, I was watching C-SPAN the day that it happened and there was this woman that called in from Idaho and she said, she was crying and she was like, I just want to know if my president lied to me. And if, he, and if, and if he did, I want him to say he is sorry to the girl that lost her life. And then she just started bawling. And she was mm. like, I voted for him. Mm. She said, I voted for him. She said, I'm so sorry. And in that moment, it, it really, that actually has stuck with me for, I broke my heart because I mean, I've never been to Idaho, but I can only mm. imagine it's not diverse. <laughs> you know, there's mm. probably very limited resources, very limited um, exposure to anything other than their little bubble. And it's probably that type of place where like the people that you respect and listen to the most are your pastor and your president yeah and so for her she felt personally victimized Mm -hmm. because she did feel like he personally lied to her to her face Mm -hmm. and that's sad to me yeah that is sad you know and so i think in that leader exactly Mm -hmm. exactly which i mean to an extent i i understand putting faith in your leaders these people Mm -hmm. are meant to lead the country you're trusting Mm -hmm. them to be the voice for you so when you feel betrayed it's got to hurt when you don't know any better. And I think that that's what it was, is that she just didn't know any better. Yeah. Now, some of these people are vile and some of these people are horrible and they're just racist and we all know that. But right. hearing that phone call, it made me realize that there are some people that are just naive and do mm. not know any better. And they just trust the leaders yeah. of the country. Mm. Yeah. So that's I, I'm, I'm interested to see how all of the, the capital hearings and sentencing will pan out. They better get some serious sentences. Or I'm going to be pissed. Oh, absolutely. I've never seen anything like this. I was talking to my parents. I was like, can you imagine this happening in the parliament like that? He's like, that would never happen. Why Ever. is this happening in America? Ever. <laughs> Why? Ever, girl. I've never seen anything. I don't think any of us have seen anything like this. They yeah. said this hasn't happened since 1812. Which is insane to me. Like, eighteen <laughs> twelve. Right. You saw that right there. Like, this hasn't yes. happened since. <laughs> like, okay, 2020, 2021. 20, still, right, and this is what we're doing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, before we wrap up, I want to hear a little bit about Justice Warriors Academy and how you created it and 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 how it is run and what you do. Sure. Yeah. So Justice Warriors Academy is my baby. Education is the root of who I am. So I created it based off of, I saw a lot of misinformation, especially around politics and government and the election. So it really did start around election season. Mm. And I was already doing um, voters workshops for several years for different organizations. But I wanted something that I could call my own and I wanted something that I could curate and create the type of education that I wanted to give out. So um, it's it's not just based on voters workshops. It's going to be based on different educational things in regards to politics and social justice. So this year I hope to be doing a lot more educational workshops if, if it's in person great if it's virtual we'll, we'll get the work done but 
Yeah. So if they I can find that. me on Justice Wars Academy on Facebook and Instagram. Wonderful. And where can they follow you personally? Sure. Personally, I'm, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Ndidi Amadi. So Ndidi is N-D-I-D-I on Instagram, N-D-I-D-I underscore A-M-A-D-I. On Facebook, it's just Ndidi Amadi. Wonderful. And then you get to see, you know, my personality, <laughs> my fun Which, side. <laughs> she be doing those TikTok dances. Yeah, and I, I like to dance. dance it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love it. Valid. I love it. It's great. Well, Aditi, thank you so much. It was always a pleasure talking to you. And I love your spirit. And I love you. your energy. And I hope that you were able to bring more people from the Black community into government, into politics, because it is so important to have that representation. So what you're doing is really, really great. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Of course. And to the listeners, make sure you subscribe to We Need to Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.